We've become way too accustomed to cell phones. And if you're ever going somewhere now, it's just so relatively easy to drop a coordinate into a cell phone and just get turn-by-turn directions. Not so in the past, all right? We use these things called maps. And those are some of the most stressful times of my life. (laughs) You're trying to go somewhere. I still remember as a kid, we lived in Northern California, a little town, and we go to the big city of L.A., and you just get into the concrete jungle. One parent was a driver and the other was a navigator. And you hear things like, oops, I just think we missed that exit. <laughs> things like, you're going to have to do a better job of telling me when the exit's coming. I can't react that quickly. And you can just feel the tension rise in the car. Oops. We just missed that one, and we got a five miles until we can turn around. And it was just chaotic. That's what driving used to be like. I don't want to go back to it, but boy, I remember it. And maybe for some really memories of family life. And of course, Denise and I used the maps when our families were young and then made the transition to the cell phone when it it came out. And, you know, it was a great invention. I bring this out because at that time, every time you got ready to go somewhere, you needed a road map to tell you where you were going. Well, guess what? In the book that we're going to be studying, it is a road map to us. Not not a road map to enter a big city and navigate, not like that. A road map to the good life. If I were to ask everybody in this room today, would you like to lead a good life? My guess is 100% of the hands would go up here. So all of us have that deep desire to lead a good life. But what might we mean by that? If I were to ask us all to define what a good life is, what do you think are some things that might come out of that? One might be like, maybe I have enough. I have enough resources to lead. That's a a good life. Maybe it's I'm a trustworthy or an honest person. That's a good life. Maybe it's I'm an individual who serves others. Maybe that is a good life. The book that we are about to study is going to tell us that we need wisdom from God to lead a good life. And it's not just any good life that it's talking to us about. It's a life that's defined by God, a good life that's defined by God, that's empowered by God and has wisdom from God so that we can lead that good life. Today, I want to introduce you to the ancient book of Proverbs. And by the way, this is the first time I've ever preached this book start to finish, or we're not going to cover all the chapters in it, but a good swath of it. First time I've ever done that as a pastor. There's not many books that fit my, my categories that way of, of, you know, I haven't preached before, but this is one of those. And I gave you today a little handout. If you did not get one of those, I think Nick has some extras of those. If you'll raise your hand, he'll pass that around to you. And if Balcony, if you're up there, I think there are some in the center right there of the ledge. If you need one of those, maybe some others can help pass those out to you. So please refer to that. I'm going to come back to this and, and have a few words to say about that. Uh, In addition to that, we're going to read the first passage of that in just a moment in chapter 1. 
But oftentimes I have people ask me, why did you choose the graphic? Nope, go back one if you would. Why did you choose the graphic there of, uh, I'm going to see so many times over the next number of weeks, 11 weeks, you're going to see that 11 weeks. Why did you choose that? And I chose that because life is like that path right there. And all of us are taking some path somewhere. And you'll notice that in this picture specifically, there is that light that's just like drawing us almost and, and casting a, a, a direction for where we're to go. And to me, that picture is de descriptive of the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is telling us, I've got wisdom, God says, for you, and I wish to enlighten your path. I wish to tell you the way to go. And so each time I'm reading the book of Proverbs, I'm gaining some wisdom about how God wants me to lead that good life. And so we are opening up today Proverbs chapter 1, and I'm starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, either in paper or digital copies, open your Bibles up. Let's read this together. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs is going to be this book to tell us wisdom in order for us to lead the good life. I have a quote here from Ellen Davis that I really appreciated, especially this week. She says, the Proverbs are spiritual guides for ordinary people on an ordinary day when water does not pour forth from rocks and angels do not come to lunch, which is to say, most days. And so it's practical wisdom that's needed in daily living in which just there's ordinary things that happen day in and day out of life. And that's what the Proverbs is all about. I want to start at the spot in which the Proverbs starts, and I want to talk about the purpose of the Proverbs. I have five things today that I want you to hear about the purpose of the Proverbs. Let's start off. The first purpose of the Proverbs is very elementary, but it is to teach us using Proverbs. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. And automatically, you should be asking, well, what exactly is a proverb? Every culture has their sense of proverbs, which are little sayings that have, they, they pack a punch because they have some wisdom. Let me give you some English proverbs that we commonly know and use, and then we'll switch back to the Hebrew proverbs in just a moment. The, the English proverbs, let me give you an example. The early bird catches the? There you go. Uh, two wrongs don't make a? My mother, how many times did she tell that to me? I'd say, but so-and-so's doing this. Brian, does two wrongs ever make a right? And, you know, she, she was right about that, and I, I just remembered that one, tucked that one away. Laughter is the best. Yeah, so you know these Proverbs, they're just quick for us. Well, that's the same as the Hebrew Proverbs. The Hebrew Proverbs are uh, a short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember. That's what a proverb is. A short truth that's practical and for life and is easy to remember. Oftentimes in the proverbs that are Hebrew proverbs, there is a contrast that's given. Not this, but that. 
Let me give you an example of one of the Hebrew Proverbs that's in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so you can see there the contrast by that word but. It's talking about speech which is soft and encouraging versus speech that is harsh and the consequences it has upon your audience according to which way you choose to go. And so the Proverbs are teaching us, again, about the speech of life and the value of that using a comparison. All right, so that's the very first purpose of the Proverbs is to teach in Proverbs. And it's this short little language that's a model of reality. It's a verbal representation of the way that life should work. And that's what is being communicated in the Proverbs. Number two, the second purpose is to collect wisdom from Solomon and a few others. So the majority of the Proverbs are written by Solomon. He is the third king in the line of Israel. Remember, it was Saul, David, and then his son, Solomon. And so the majority of what we have in the Proverbs is the wisdom that is written and recorded for us by King Solomon. Now again, he is especially positioned to give us this kind of wisdom because he was a wise man given wisdom by God And this is one of the verses that tells us about the wisdom that he had from 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 4. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. I find that number very interesting. 1,005, it's kind of a general number, 3,000 proverbs. But by the way, his musical uh, repertoire is 1,005. You notice that here Solomon is, we're told about Solomon that he is a guy with great wisdom. And he's a guy that's curious about a lot of things in life. So he teaches about animal life and plant life. He teaches, of course, about music. And so he's interested in all these areas. And it's all flowing from the fact that Yahweh, the creator God of the universe, is the one that creates all these things. And so they're easy or we're invited to go and explore those and learn more about them. And that's exactly what Solomon does. Now, some of you are saying, but Solomon didn't end too well. And you're right about that. Solomon got involved with too many women and he got involved with the foreign gods that those women uh, professed. And so he didn't end as well as he might. He probably should have listened to some of his own wisdom there. But it doesn't discount that his book is valuable to us and that it's valuable for instructing us on the way that God is giving us wisdom for life. Uh, Break out your handout because your handout has something very important on it. It's got a division of three different sections of the book of Proverbs. And I want you to get this because, well, when we think of Proverbs, we probably just think of one category, but there's a couple of other categories in the book. Section one on the left-hand side is understanding and desiring wisdom. It's from chapters roughly one to nine. And it is, I never knew this, by the way. This is just in my study of Proverbs that I realized this. I've been a pastor for a long time, and I could not have told you this. So then, again, this has been so, it's been fun for me because I've been going and learning about the book of Proverbs. Chapter, uh, section one, verses one to, chapters one to nine, deals with a cycle of 10 speeches of a father to a son. So a father sitting down with his son and saying, let me tell you how life works, son. And I want to remind you about the value of wisdom. That's all he's doing in the first nine chapters is saying, you need wisdom. And so seek it out. 
There's also four things where, four appearances of lady wisdom, and she's this elegant woman who is noble in character and virtue, and she shows up to instruct about the value, again, of wisdom. So that's the first nine chapters. We're going to have two or three sermons that are in that section. Then we'll come to the main section when we normally think of Proverbs, these short little units of thought that convey something about wisdom and godly living or good living. Uh, There's 375 Proverbs of King Solomon, and they are predominantly in little two-liners. And so if you read a whole chapter, you're like, what's the theme of the whole chapter? It's like, well, there's a lot of themes there because there's all these little two-liner couplets that are involved with that. But all of them are purposed on imparting some sort of wisdom to us. And then the last section, the third section, is assorted collections of other wisdom. And so you're going to notice that there's other authors that end up in the book of Proverbs. And what that's telling us is that Solomon was not the only guy that had wisdom from God. There were some others that did too, and he was a collector of wisdom. He had wisdom, but he was collecting wisdom. And so those other authors and their work make it into the Proverbs as instruction from God in order to help us understand what it means to live a life of wisdom. All right, so what I want you to hear is the Proverbs house wisdom, and they house wisdom not just from Solomon, he's the main author, but there's a few others also. All right, here's the third purpose of the Proverbs. It is to impart wisdom, verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Wisdom, rather, is a very important word in the book of Proverbs. It's said over and over and over again. So what do we mean when we say wisdom? Wisdom is more than brains. It's more than instruction. It's more than morals. Wisdom literally means skill or expertise or competence. And so every time you are with somebody who is, let's use an example, an expert cook, you, you just, you appreciate what they've done. It's like all of us know how to cook. But when I'm with that person that's the expert cook, they put together flavors and they use techniques that I'm just like, whoa, that just blows my mind. And I love the result of that. Maybe you're with somebody who has a skilled trade. I'm thinking of somebody who maybe lays tile. I like to lay tile, but I'm a very novice at laying tile. I might've done it five times in my life and it's something I like to do. But when I appreciate somebody who lays tile regularly and does it just day in and day out, their work is perfect. I mean, I just love it because I I, I can appreciate somebody who really knows what they're doing is behind that. Whenever we talk about wisdom, that's what we're talking about. Is there somebody that's practicing it that truly understands how this works and all the nuances of it, and it's something to behold and appreciate? So wisdom is what we need to lead a good life a meaningful life, a life of consequence, and wisdom is more than just knowledge. So we have to get those two in our head. What is knowledge? What is wisdom? And what's the differences between the two? Knowledge, again, is knowing a collection of facts. Wisdom is the right use of that knowledge for daily living. Let me give you an example. Knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to use that in a fruit salad. (laughs) And so again, wisdom is this practical way of using knowledge. And by the way, the scriptures are not down on knowledge at all. 
They want you to go out and learn things. God wants you to go out and learn things. And that's a starting point. But wisdom comes along and it begins to take all that research, all that learning, all that memorizing, which is a part of knowledge, and it begins to use that and apply that in specific situations with certain dimensions or certain results that you want to get. And when wisdom is being applied, it's something that's the next level above uh, mere knowledge. Wisdom takes knowledge and applies it with discernment based upon experience and evaluation and lessons learned from the past. Let me give you an example from something I really love to do. Many of you know that I love to fly fish. And I've got a picture here of somebody who is fly fishing. It's uh, a fly fishing woman. I just got this off the internet. And I'm loving the fact that so many women are enjoying a sport I do too. And so here she is, and I want to make some observations to you about what it takes to fly fish. Number one, it takes that stick that's in her hand, and it's a rod. And you've got to know something about the rod that's in your hand. Did you know they come in different lengths? They come in different sizes. They come in different weights. And according to what fish you're trying to catch, you need to have the right rod. If you had a really big fish like a salmon, you had a little rod, you'd break it. If you have a big salmon rod in your hand and you're going for a little trout, it would just feel like you have a log and you're just kind of pulling the fish along with no bend in the rod whatsoever. So you have to have the right rod. You have to have the right, well, then it comes to a line. You have to have the right line because the line has to match the rod. And there are certain lines that are sinking lines, certain lines that are floating lines, and certain lines that are intermediate. Which one do I need? I don't know. It depends on the way I'm going about this. You'll notice that there is an outfit that's needed. You need some waders, especially if you're going to stand in some cold water. And you better have boots because that slippery slope of the, uh, of, of the, of the creek bed, uh, man, you don't want to fall down, and so you better have some boots on. You better have a fanny pack there that's got all of your flies in that, and it's got all of your tippet material and, and forceps and nippers and all the things that are the equipment that you need to do this. You see the net there on her back. And by the way, you need all of that, and you've got to become educated in all of that before you can really even go out and try something. There are knots you need to learn how to tie. You can't fly fish unless you know how to tie certain knots. And so I hope I'm giving you the idea. There's a lot to know. But even when you know all of that, and even when you're becoming very proficient at it, you still have to apply wisdom at the certain day and the certain time. And by the way, there's many days in which I think I know a lot, but when it comes to wisdom, the result's not there. That's why it's maybe fishing more than it's catching because, you know, hey, you've got you to apply all of these principles simultaneously and you could just be off a little bit in one way and it means no catching of any fish. Knowledge is that accumulation of all that you need to know. Wisdom is the practical application of that and that's what the book of Proverbs is all about, is giving us knowledge, but also giving us wisdom so that we know how to practice what God wants us to live by. All right, number four, the fourth purpose of Proverbs is to instruct people of all ages, and I might say in all classes. And so uh, you'll notice verse four there at the bottom of the screen, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the youth, and let the wise hear an increase in learning. And so there's three groups of people there, the simple, the youth, and the wise. Next screen, if you would give me that, because I'm going to tell you a little bit about these three different groups of people. You might say it's a collection of people that the Proverbs are valuable to. 
The number, first, the number one group that it's valuable to is the simple, and that's the easily persuaded or those susceptible to being swayed towards evil. When you say somebody is simple biblically, that's what you mean, is that they're so open that they're, you know, they're basically open to everything, and they're, they're, they'll easily be persuaded to do something that they probably shouldn't do. Let me give you an example. Denise and I were chatting last night and trying to think of examples of, of when we uh, lived a simple life. And boy, that wasn't very hard for me to come up with many when I was uh, young and growing up. And one that came to my mind was I had a good friend. His name was Ty. And Ty and I both had, as young kids, bow and arrow. And when I mean bow and arrow, I don't mean playthings. I mean the ones that you could really shoot into a hay bale. And, you know, we actually hunted with them. So, I mean, we were, we lived in the country and that was just a common thing to do. But we had a bow and arrow. So it was a summer day, we were outside in a big wide open field and you know, we're just shooting our bows and arrows and having fun. And Ty says, I have an idea. I said, what's that idea? He said, let's shoot our arrows into the air as high as we can and see how close they can come to us. <laughs> and being the simpleton that I was, I said, yes, let's try it. And so I don't know how many arrows we shot up in the air and we figured out you could kind of see where it was going and kind of move out of the way a little bit. I'm fortunate to even be here today, all right? I could have taken one in the head very easily. The saving grace was that Ty's mom came out and said, what are you doing? Stop it immediately. And she saved our lives that day, I'm, I'm quite sure. The simple are easily persuaded. The simple, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let me try that. When in all, in all along, it's not a good idea. It's something that could be very harmful to you. And so again, the Proverbs are great for the simple. The Proverbs are also great for the youth. Youth are defined roughly in the scriptures as from birth to about 20 years old-ish, kind of. And so again, what is true about the youth is they just haven't lived enough life. They haven't seen enough twists and turns of life. They haven't seen the ups and downs. They haven't seen the valleys. They haven't seen the peaks. And so it's very difficult when you're young to have perspective because you just haven't lived enough of life to really have that perspective. And so the Bible and Proverbs says it's valuable for the youth because you're going to learn something about some of the twists and turns of life that others have experienced. And finally, again, we have the wise. Uh, which might be defined as the skillful or the prudent. It's individuals, some of you here, who've lived a lot of life and you've practiced a lot of what God tells us in the scriptures and in the book of Proverbs. And what it's telling us is that you're not beyond learning, all right? You're never beyond learning more from the Proverbs and you're never beyond learning more about what God has for you to lead the good life. I'm specifically, again, referring back to the, the, the two categories first, which is the simple and the youth. And if you find yourself in that category today, maybe you don't know that much about Proverbs or not much around the Bible, and so you'd be maybe in those categories learning how to apply some of those things to your life. The Bible and Proverbs is so valuable to you, and here's why. Because it helps you avoid the dumb tax. The dumb tax is when you have to go do something on your own, and then you have to live out the consequence of it that's usually not that good. And so the Proverbs are coming along and saying, let me help you avoid the dumb tax. I'm going to pay that for you so you know what it's like to go practice that and you can avoid that so you don't have to pay that consequence. That's a pretty valuable thing.
Let me tell you a couple of ways that the scriptures might do that. Proverbs might do that. A few examples. Number one, it says, uh, Proverbs says that hard work's a very good thing. And so if you're listening, again, as a simple person or a young person, you're saying, hey, let me listen to that because, again, God values and we benefit from hard work, both physically as well as with those around us. Proverbs also teaches us that there's only to be sexual relations between a man and a woman in marriage, and everything outside of that is problematic. And so it's, it's giving us that sound advice that's true for all ages. Proverbs talks about speech and how to guard your tongue and how to speak with people with nobility. And so again, it's going to give us direction on that. And so again, it's going to help us to learn about aspects of life that we might not otherwise have experienced yet and help us to know when that situation arrives to me, uh, what are practical ways that I could live uh, in, in a wise way. All right, the fifth purpose of Proverbs is to promote need before we can make any use of the Proverbs, we have to be individuals that really need the Proverbs. And therefore, verse 7 at the bottom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What do we mean when we say the fear of the Lord? Well, basically, the fear of the Lord is He's God and I'm not, all right? He is above all things. He is the one that puts everything into motion. He's the one that scattered the stars across the sky. He's the one that sustains everything that's in motion right now. And to my response to that, my response to God when I see that starry sky is one of awe. It's one of reverence. And yes, sometimes even a bit of fear would be involved in our lives. We're going to explore what that means as we make our way through the Proverbs to have this fear of God. But I want to do something as a way of explaining that fear of God and also as a way of explaining what we've covered so far. And I'm going to be showing you a clip from the Bible Project. Just give me the, the one that shows the Bible Project there for a second, not, not under the clip yet. Just give me the next slide. Yeah, there we go. That one right there. Um, so who, raise your hand if you've heard of the Bible Project. Uh, half of you. So I want to tell the other half. I talk to people so regularly and they say, Pastor... I'm reading the scriptures and I don't understand it. I mean, it's confusing to me. Uh, it's a book that feels, you know, very ancient to me. Yeah, it is ancient. I get that. But if you're needing help in saying, what, help me make sense of what I'm reading right now, a good introduction to that book of the Bible is very valuable to you. And that's where the Bible project comes in. And this is only maybe, I don't know, five or 10 years old. So it's not been around that long. But there's some guys that got together and said, let's make a video introduction of every book of the Bible. And so if you're reading a book of the Bible, you don't understand it, go watch the video because what they do is they tell you, this is the way this book's made. Here's who wrote it. Here's who received it. This is the situation in which they found themselves. And this is how you can read this book, you know, with some of a little bit of an outline that they're giving you for context. Very, very valuable. So what I want to do as a summary of what we've said today, repetition is our friend, I'm going to give you the video from the Bible Project on the books of wisdom and specifically the books of the book of Proverbs and watch this and then we'll talk about it in just a minute.
There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life. Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective, and it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights, things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah, and it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokhmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokhmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against chokhmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them, but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokhmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokhmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And chokhmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success in no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs.
I'll let you go back and watch the rest of that to figure out the other books of wisdom and learn more about those. Well, we uh, are individuals who are going to be obviously learning about wisdom and wanting wisdom. We are not going to be those that the scriptures call fools who despise wisdom. Fools are individuals who don't need wisdom from God. In fact, they're the center of their own universe. They're individuals who are smug and significant in themselves and have no need to learn anything, especially that from God. If we are individuals that start with the fear of the Lord, we're individuals then that are saying, yes, I need that. Outside of that, I'm liable to make a lot of blunders. And so, yes, God, I need your help. And I have a posture of saying, yes, I wish to be instructed. And so as we come to a close for today, there's really one thing I want to challenge you with. And I want to challenge you over the next number of weeks that we're together to simply have the posture of saying, God, I want to learn. God, I want wisdom that exists, you know, again, as it described in the video, in the universe. You've woven that into the fabric, and I want to live in light of that. I want to live in, in, in coordination with that. And so, Lord, would you help me, and would you guide me? You think about Solomon, and one of the things about Solomon was he built the temple, and God came to him and said, Solomon, I'm going to give you anything. It's like a big wish moment for Solomon. What's he going to choose? Is Solomon going to choose long life? Is Solomon going to choose to have a whole lot of money? Is Solomon going to choose who knows what pleasure? Solomon chooses something that God loves because Solomon says, God, what I want is wisdom so I can lead your people well. And God smiled so much on that and poured wisdom out onto Solomon. I'm wondering if you could be like that with God. And say over the next number of weeks of this summer, God, like never before, I want wisdom. I want to be open to you. I want to learn what you have to say and practice that in my life with obedience. If you say that with sincerity, I think you will be surprised of how God shows up, what he reveals to you, what he lets you see that you've never seen before, and there's some kind of a new dimension, as it were, of you walking with God and his son, Jesus, filled by his spirit. Let's have that posture together as we enter this summer. Father, thank you for the book of Proverbs. Thank you for the wisdom that it has given to your people throughout generations. And we want that pattern to continue. So cultivate our hearts. If there's any wicked way within us, dispel that so that we can be individuals that want to learn from you. We love you. We love your way. We love your word. We love everything about you. And we want to live in light of your wisdom. So give it to us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior.